I don't want to focus. I, I don't want to have a lot of podcasts that are um, political in nature because political um, political talk is cheap, and I am still struggling to comprehend whether preaching to the choir, which most political speech is, it is is talking, refining your arguments with people who agree with you, rather than, than refining your arguments with people who disagree with you. Um, I'm not sure that that's good for us. I, 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 I'm, I'm sure that it doesn't make us better. The question is, does it make us worse? I haven't answered that. And, and as a result, I am migrating, hopefully, in my day-to-day -day life, away from political talk. But I want to look at something that I am looking at. It is political and economic in nature, but I am looking at it specifically because I, 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 I'm willing to look at it, maybe. Um, so, so whatever it is for others, for me, it is a, a progress. And I share it as such. It is, it, it, this whole line of thought is prompted by the, the difficulty of, of comprehending why socialism, naked socialism, people who say, I am a socialist, why that is popular. Um, as, as ideas go, I believe that it has been not theoretically defeated, but I think it has it has shown so little promise, and and I guess I, I don't feel old, but but the definitive years of my life were at the end of the run of Soviet socialism, which was called communism. Um, I I remember very acutely. The picture of tyranny that had come to mark communism, and I remember how the, the the tyranny, the petty tyranny of the communist system, eclipsed for for most people, eclipsed um, the benefits of, of the socialist. Um, Communism was this, was an honest attempt to grapple with socialist issues. I believe that. I don't believe that it was was unfounded. The discrepancy had gotten so wide that they honestly needed to, to grapple and say, how are we going to make this work? And so they tried something. It didn't work, and it primarily didn't work because of, of petty tyranny. Um, it was not prosperous, but that doesn't necessarily mean it didn't work. C central planning failed because central planning is not agile. Okay? But that was not why it failed. It failed because people who had the power of central planning and other powers used that petty tyranny and there was no way to prevent them. So the velocity, the, the rulers used their power to benefit themselves. And, and so I would submit that the, the Soviet Union failed 
because of human nature. Capitalism tries to harness self-interest. Socialism tries to rule out self-interest. And it fails not because it's not a good theoretical idea, but it fails because there is no way to rule out self-interest. And so it, it actually would appear and say 1990, it appeared sort of widespread to us that it probably would always take us down. That, that, that the course of socialism could not work. And the reason that the course of socialism could not work right, is because what do you do with people's self-interest? And it, it turns to tyranny very easily unless you, uh, unless you find a way to, to combat that. Okay, so what I'm telling you is that I thought socialism was a defeated economic philosophy in its waning days. And now it springs up again. Okay, that's the question that causes me to say, what is it about socialism that people keep going back to it, saying, oh, wow, this would be a good idea. Why are college students looking at it, saying, this would be great? What I'm going to say is, well, their, their professors are, are teaching them. Okay, but their professors are, are specifically the people who saw that it failed. They saw how it failed. They saw that it did not have the ability to keep the people in power from acting out of self-interest. It, it, it was as hopeless as declaring that the only workable, sustainable form of government is a benevolent dictatorship, which may be profound, but it's pretty much useless unless you can tell me where I can go to find benevolent dictators. So it, it, it's, it, you could say, well, that's that's not the point. The point is that a benevolent dictator would really be the best option. I'm like, that's fine, but if you can't find a benevolent dictator, then it doesn't matter. It's the same with socialism. So these people are being taught by professors who ought to know better. And why don't they? Well, I think I have a glimpse of an answer. And I, I'm grateful to, to Jordan Peterson, who, oddly, as a psychologist, he is the one who, who has taught me an awful lot about economics, because he is the one who has explained the centrality of, of what is called uh, the Pareto distribution, or, or prices law. Um, if you want to know more about them, listen to him. You, you can hardly listen to a talk without that coming forward. It appears to be a natural law that says things migrate, productivity migrates to, to a small number of people who become more and more productive. But in the discussion about that, he laid out a, a principle. And that principle is that repeated trades, even if they are random, will cause resources to migrate to a few. Now, let me explain the picture and, and conceptualize it, but if you took a hundred people and gave them each ten dollars, 
put them in a room and said, okay, here's the only game you can play. Each of you, you pick a person, each of you lays down a dollar, and you flip a coin, and the winner takes two dollars. Well, what will happen is that for a long time, wins will balance out losses. There will be a long time that some people go up and go down, but but basically, in a random situation, that randomness will sort of cancel it out. But slowly, some people will have a string of bad luck. They'll lose, they'll lose, they'll lose, and after they have lost five times without winning, they would cancel out what they have. And they check out. They can no longer play. Zero dollars means you can't play anymore. Okay. And the rate, the time it takes for that first person to drop out will be kind of a long time. The time for the second person to drop out will be a little shorter. And to the third and fourth. And finally, by the end, every every play, you're going to be dropping people. And the others are going to be further insured. They're going to win. And now that every time you win, you have that much mar more margin against a catastrophic catastrophic failure. All right, so, so when you won your first game, you have $12, and that means it will take six turns at very worst, six run of bad, a run of six bad luck flips to get you to zero. And you win again, and now it will take seven. And eventually, you will be not worried about, about losing. You'll have so many turns that there's nobody who you can you can play against that, that can practically defeat you. So what will happen is, towards the end, it will migrate faster and faster. More and more people drop out until there is one person that has everything. Okay, if you can envision that, you'll see that that has nothing to do, and we've totally eliminated the possibility that you could make wise decisions. You only have random decisions to make. But if all you are doing is making random decisions, somebody will win slowly at first, and then gradually some small percentage will win big. And that is, has the, the nature of a, a natural law. This will happen if there are random trades. Now, part of the reason this happens because they are repeated. The word we use is iterative. Iterative trades. There is something about advantages that come anytime something will be repeated. Now, we know this in business or, or in production. The first piece you produce is the most expensive piece. If you produce two, then the cost of the materials remains the same, but the cost of developing the idea and learning how to produce it is divided. And so if you produce 10, the cost goes down. If you produce 1,000, the cost goes down by less, but the cost continues to migrate downward the more times you do it. So you accumulate that. And it turns out that a lot of things, if you could produce 10,000, you'll be able to produce them at a lower cost than if you're only producing 10. So we've, we've capitalized on that. 
is because it's repeated. It's small advantages over a long repetition create a big difference. So, let me let me tell you a story. Uh, I, I, I'm from a friend of mine, but I, I, I believe it's true and it, and it is self-evident. So he went to long situation. Um, basically, his company was owed money by uh, a, a, a casino, and the casino was in the process of changing hands, and it was going to be very difficult to collect. And the, the advice was go and have the best time you can at the casino, and just don't pay your bill. And they won't come after you for your bill, and you won't be able to come after them for their bill. And, and so you can sort of even the table. Okay, that's fine. No, I don't know. But that's just why the person was there. So he was talking to the guy who had owned the casino, and he asked, well, you know, how much does this casino pay out? And it was above 90%. But let's just say it was 90%. They say 90% of the time, you will earn your money back. So, my friend said, that seems like amazing. How can you how can you run this casino if if ninety percent of the people break even? And he said, No, 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 no. You don't understand. He said, If if ninety percent, if, if if people came with an amount of money, came to the casino, bet it, and then walked away, about ninety of ninety percent of them would would retain their money in some way, shape, or form. But the thing is, they just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And that that slight advantage, it was it was less than ten percent. But that that you know five six percent that the casino makes. The reason that the casino is this opulent building designed to entice people in is that nobody just does it once. They repeat and they repeat and they repeat and they repeat. And if you're betting somebody at a at a a small disadvantage, it will all migrate to them. Okay, so that's the first thing, is that, that as long as we are caught in multiple iterative trades, we are going to have to deal with the fact that iterative trades have a life of their own. It's different than a one-time trade. So iterative trades have this, this function that if they are random, all the money migrates to a few. So the way that we try to, to justify that or explain that or, or, or make it somewhat even is if we tell people, look at, make smart trades. Don't just trade over a flip of a coin. Find something that gives you an advantage. And in the capitalist system, the advantage that is there is not an advantage that gives me a, a, a loaded dice. Although some people may claim that. But the conceptual advantage in capitalism isn't that I somehow have a loaded dice and I'm going to win more. It is that in capitalism, I can find something someone to trade with who, who, who values what I have 
more than what they have. From whom I value what they have more than what I have. So here, here's a, a, a picture of that. The, around us there are gas stations, holiday gas stations. And, and Holiday's marketing ploy is to have just about every sale, anything that's on sale, is buy two for a lower price. Now, in the state of Minnesota, if you say um, it's two for three dollars, then you have to sell it for a dollar fifty, unless it says two for three dollars or two fifty-nine a piece. Okay, so what holiday stations do is they they cover that loophole, and so you're buying. My energy drink is Rockstar. I know some people think it's horrible that you drink energy drinks, except that when I first started drinking energy drinks, I'm like, the same people who think it's so horrible that you drink energy drinks have a row of vitamins at home that include all of the things that are in the, in the energy drink. So I could go to my, my we kind of have a collection of, of supplements, and I could take my uh, green tea, which has lots of caffeine, and, and that's something that they take. Um, and and the well, just down the list. And so I'm not arguing for them. I'm just saying that since I like them, I'm not going to feel bad. Um, so my drink is Rockstar. I go into to Holiday, and I got. Three dollars. Well, we'll say I have enough. Three dollars and enough to pay for for taxes. And my friends riding with me. So I go in and I say, "Oh boy, I got a problem here. I can't buy a rock star and a and a hot dog. I have to be, because the rock star. If I buy one." Costs two dollars and fifty nine cents, and the hot dog costs two dollars, dollar ninety nine. I can't afford that, but I'm a little disappointed because the price of the Rockstar are two for three dollars, and the price of the hot dogs are two for three dollars. So imagine that I, I wait around, don't get arrested for being. Um, loitering or something, but I wait around until I see somebody who is buying two hot dogs, who happens to only have three dollars. And I say, tell you what, I will buy two rock stars and I'll give you one if you will buy two hot dogs and give me one. And what happened? Well, you could argue that we have two hot dogs and two rock stars, so what's the difference? But I would argue that I, as an individual, have like $5 worth of value. And you, as an individual, if you participated in the trade, you have $5 worth of value. Because that's what it would cost. But because we found someone to trade with who has a different set of values, we were able to make a trade that benefited both of us. Okay, that is the heart of capitalism. So, so let's go back. So, 
iterative trades that are random, money migrates. And so you could say, well, well, then why don't you just make smart trades? Don't make random trades, make smart trades. Well, the argument then is that capitalism is still a little bit immoral. Not severely, but slightly, right? Because I'm only going to trade when, when somehow the, the dice are tilted in my favor. That is not the heart of capitalism. The heart of capitalism is look until you find that perfect person to trade with. Not where you have a slight advantage over them, but where the trade produces a slight advantage for both of you. And if you could, if you could conduct your whole life in a series of trades that give a slight advantage to both of you, where what I have two of, I trade, and what you have two of, you trade, then that is what I would call a capitalist utopia. Are we going to have that? I don't know. Is it possible? I don't know. I'm very fascinated by how that works out amongst the Amish. Um, they seem to find a way um, because they they have a societal norm against... Just a second. All right. I just paused here and uh, said hello to the neighbors. And uh, if that bothers you. It does disrupt the flow, but but um, I'll have to pick up from here. And hopefully I can get close to the same point and talk to them for a while. So then I, I forgot the sense I was in the middle of. So my apologies. But when we have this situation of, of multiple trades, we can dream of, let's just say, like we can dream of a place where where the difference in values makes capital capitalism a, or free enterprise, let's call it that, it, it makes free enterprise a, a moral system. I'm not looking for a, a trade in which I don't take risk. I'm looking for a trade in which I have difference in value. So what is necessary for a capitalist, uh, we'll go free enterprise. What is what is necessary for a, a moral free enterprise system? Well, the thing is most necessary for that moral free enterprise system is that we maximize individuality. The maximization of individuality maximizes the likelihood that there is somebody else who values what I have plenty of more and who values what I need less. That tie between free enterprise and the individual undergirds capitalism being a just system. You can have a meritocracy, okay, where people win because they make smart trades. And, and, and that's better than, than arbitrary. But that is not what makes free enterprise moral. Free enterprise is moral when we maximize our individuality in such a way that the same amount of goods benefits a broader spectrum of people. Two hot dogs and two rock star 
same number, same number of hot dogs, same number of Rockstar, but they benefit a cruise in a greater amount to both people. I am going to pause here, and I'm going to end here, and, and we'll pick up um, on this on this topic at some other time when I'm out walking or hopefully not driving. Have a good day.